ಸದಾಶಿವಸಮಾರಂಭಾಂ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯಮಧ್ಯಮಾಂ ಅಸ್ಮದಾಚಾರ್ಯಪರ್ಯಂತಾಂ ವಂದೇ ಗುರುಪರಂಪರಾಂ ಓಂ ಅಖಂಡಮಂಡಲಾಕಾರ ವ್ಯಾಪ್ತ ಚರಾಚರಂ ತತ್ಪದ ದರ್ಶಿತ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಅಜ್ಞಾನತಿಮಿರಾಂದಸ್ಯಜ್ಞಾನಾಂಜನಶಲಾಕೆಯ ಚಕ್ಷುರುನ್ಮೀಲಿಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಗುರುರ್ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ಗುರುರ್ವಿಷ್ಣು ಗುರುರ್ದೇವೋ ಮಹೇಶ್ವರ ಗುರುರೇವ ಪರಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಚಿನ್ಮಯ ವ್ಯಾಪ್ಯತ್ಸೈಲೋಕ್ಯಂ ಚರಾಚರಂ ತತ್ಪದ ದರ್ಶಿತ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಸರ್ವಶ್ರುತಿಶಿರೋರತ್ನವಿರಾಜಿತಪದಾಂಬುಜ ವೇದಾಂತಾಂಬುಜಸೂರ್ಯೋ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಚೈತನ್ಯಶಾಶ್ವತಶ್ರಾಂತೋ ವ್ಯೋಮಾತೀತೋ ನಿರಂಜನ ಬಿಂದುನಾಥಕಲಾತೀತ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಗುರೋ ಚೈತನ್ಯಶಾಶ್ವತಶ್ರಾಂತೋ ವ್ಯೋಮಾತೀತೋ ನಿರಂಜನ ಬಿಂದುನಾಥಕಲಾತೀತ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಜ್ಞಾನಶಕ್ತಿಸಮಾರೂಢ ತತ್ವಮಾಲಾಭೂಷಿತ ಭುಕ್ತಿಮುಕ್ತಿಪ್ರದಾಚಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಅನೇಕಜನ್ಮಸಂಪ್ರಾಪ್ತಕರ್ಮಬಂಧವಿಧಾ ಆತ್ಮಜ್ಞಾನಪ್ರಧಾನ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಶೋಷಣ ಭವಸಿಂಧೋಶ್ಚಾಪನ ಸಾರಸಂಪತ ಗುರೋಪಾದೋದಕ ಸಮ್ಯಕ್ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ನ ಗುರೋರಧಿಗಂ ತತ್ವ ನ ಗುರೋರಧಿಗಂ ತಪಃ ತತ್ವಜ್ಞಾಪರಂ ನಾಸ್ತಿ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಮನ್ನಾ ಶ್ರೀಜಗನ್ನಾಥ ಮದ್ಗುರೋ ಶ್ರೀಜಗದ್ಗುರೋ ಮದಾತ್ಮಸರ್ವೂತಾತ್ಮ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಗುರುರಾದಿರಣಾಧಿಶ್ಚುರಮದೈವತರೋಪರಧರಂ ನಾಸ್ತಿ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ತ್ವೇವ ಮಾತಾಚಿತ್ವೇವ ಬಂಧುಶ್ಚ ಸಖಾತ್ವೇವೇವ ವಿದ್ಯಾದ್ರವಿಮೇವೇವ ಮಮ ಯತ್ಸತ್ಸತ್ಯಂ ಯಾಧಿಯತ್ ಯತ್ ಆನಂದೇನ ನಂದಂತಿ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ನಮಃ ಪ್ರಣವಾರ್ತಾಯ ಶುದ್ಧಜ್ಞಾನೈಕಮೂರ್ತ ನಿರ್ಮಲಾಯ ಪ್ರಶಾಂತಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇತಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಶ್ರೀದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತಿಸುದೇಶಿಕೇಂದ್ರಂ ದ್ವೈಪಾಯನ ಸೂತ್ರಕೃತ ಮುನೀಂದ್ರಂ ಶ್ರೀಶಂಕರ ಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತ ಯತೀಂದ್ರಂ ಮದ್ದೇಶಿ ಕಂಚಾಪಿ ನಮಿ ವಿದ್ಯೈ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಾದಿಭ್ಯೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವಿದ್ಯಾಸಂಪ್ರದಾಯಕರ್ತೃಭ್ಯೋ ವಂಶಋಷಿಭ್ಯೋ ಮಹದ್ಯೋ ನಮೋ ಗುರುಭ್ಯ ಸರ್ವೋಪ್ಲವರಹಿತ ಪ್ರಜ್ಞಾನಗಣ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಗರ್ತೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮೈವಾಹಮಸ್ಮಿ ಪಾರ್ಥಾ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಗ್ರತಿ ಪುರಾಣ ಮುನಿನಾ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಾಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣೀ ಭಗವತೀ ಅಷ್ಟಾದಶಾಧ್ಯಾಯಿನೀ ಅಂಬತ್ವಾಮನುಸಂದಗವತ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣೀ ನಮೋಸ್ತು ವ್ಯಾಸವಿಶಾಳಬುದ್ಧೆ ಉಲ್ಲಾರವಿಂದಯತಪತ್ರ ನೇತ್ರ ಯೇನ ತ್ವಯ ಭಾರತತೈಲಪೂರ್ಣ 
பிரஜ்வாலிமய பிரதீபக பிரபண்ண பாரிஜாய தூத்திரவேத்தைக்கே ஞானமுதிராயீதாமதுஹே நம சர்வோபனிஷோகாவோதுகோபாலநந்தனோவத்சுதீர்தீதாமத் வசுதேவசுதேவீஷ்மோனஜயதிரஜலாந்தாரீலோத்பலாக்ராவதீபேணவனீர்ணவேலாகுலாஷ்வத்தாமிகோரமகராணவீ சுதீர்ணாக்கலுபாண்டவைரணனதீர்த்தகேசவீதாசரியசரோஜமலம்ீதாஜனஷ்பதைரஹரேபீயமானம்முதாஜ்ஜனஷட்பதைரஹரேப
there could be some confusions in some shlokas if you listen deeply enough you would be able to see the difference or understand the difference any whatever i am actually teaching has been from my gurus i have been learning from the gurus from acharyas who have been learning from their gurus so it is sadashiva samarambham shankaracharya madhyamam that that guru parampara and if there are any mistakes that i make it is entirely mine but every credit to whatever i speak goes to my gurus there is nothing that i have brought out here as my knowledge it is the knowledge that has been passed around by gurus from their gurus and so on if you have any kind of questions or comments you can feel free to share in this group either in the middle of the shloka if you want to or at the end of the class as the case may be so bhagavad gita before we get into this the first chapter of gita in fact the other thing that i would want to say is i would not be going from the first chapter onwards typically bhagavad gita is taught from first chapter onwards but when i had this discussion with pooja shri swami omkarananda swami ji before he had attained samadhi he had advised me to go through a certain pattern in my other class i'm i am using the same pattern i'm going through the same pattern which would be i would be going into first i will be giving an introduction the introduction itself could could be there could be for a few classes then after that introduction i will be going through four shlokas of chapter 13 which will cover the values after those four shlokas of chapter 13 we will go to chapter 16 which will be the devi asuri sampat where again we will be learning on the values so 13 followed by 16 a few shlokas of 13 the entire chapter of 16 then we will go to chapter 15 which will give the summary of vedanta again and then followed by chapter 12 and then we will come back to chapter 1 and from there onwards we will go in a serial manner from chapter 1 onwards so this is going to be the order in which we will be taking these classes before again going into the bhagavad gita itself in this class maybe i thought we will give a we'll give some understanding about why bhagavad gita why should we study bhagavad gita as in the greatness of what is the greatness of bhagavad gita see our culture that is indian culture it is based on 
the vedic scriptures we call it vedic scriptures in our introduction to vedanta we have seen what are those shastras we had seen that in detail in one full class so our our culture is based on this vedic scriptures and therefore the indian culture itself we can call that to be vedic culture and this vedic culture had happens to be a very religious culture it is a lifestyle that can never separate secular and sacred in today's world we call certain activities to be secular activities to certain activities to be sacred activities but in our lifestyle in our culture everything is religious in nature that is there is nothing that can be separated from religion life and religion are intertwined and what do we mean by religious culture a religious culture meaning a bhagwan centered life an ishvara centered life whenever i use bhagwan or ishvara it means the same so it is entirely religious in nature our day begins with the remembrance of ishvara it our generally our culture does not begin with bed coffee a bed coffee is materialistic culture our culture starts with our culture starts with suprabhatam or even before when we get up we rub our hands when we say karagre vasade lakshmi karamadye saraswati karamule stite gauri prabhate karadarshanam so we pray to bhagwan first and even before we have to step our legs on the on the floor we worship bhuma devi and when we actually when we actually go brush our teeth we are supposed to pray to the devatas again and we in those days we used to have the tree and therefore the tree was linked to the vanaspati devata and we worship we chant a prayer to say not just remove my dirt from the teeth but also from my mind and then when we bathe that snanam again we invoke bhagwan we invoke bhagwan in the water that we actually take shower we say gange cha yamune devi godavari saraswati narmadiya sindhu kaveri jalesmin sannita upuro we look upon that snanam itself as ganga water and the abhishekam done to the ishvara within us again wearing cloth new clothes again we invoke bhagwan whenever we get a new new clothes in those days at least i remember even now we do we will keep we will place it near the deity and then we will actually apply some kumkum chandan 
then do prostrations thank the ishvara and then wear it the presiding deity deity for clothes is called as revati devata so right from early morning when we actually step on the ground samudra vasane devi parvata stanamandale vishnupatni namastubhyam pada sparsham kshamasvame where we actually take forgiveness from bhuma devi for stepping on her everything is bhagwan centered when we eat there is something called parseshna or we say annapurne sadapurne shankara pranavallabhe jnana vairagya siddhyartham bhikshandehi cha parvati or there is a shloka in bhagavad gita which we use also so right from waking up until we go to bed until we go to bed before going to bed we say we seek forgiveness for all the mistakes that we had done for the day karacharanakritam va kayajam karmajam va shravana nayanajam va manasam va aparadam vihitam avihitam va sarvameda kshamasva jay jay karunabde shri mahadeva sambhu so for right from morning till evening we are supposed to remember ishvara bhagwan that's why in our culture we say work is worship that's why in those days when you say everything is considered to be duty or work worship in those days when we see even leave letters that are sent out by our our parents or grandparents which say i will be joining duty will never say work so every activity is associated with bhagwan everything has to be associated with ishvara and is it only for the daily activities that we need to remember ishvara actually no not only from the beginning of the day up to the end of the day our entire life right from the time of conception it starts with the remembrance of bhagwan the very <coughs> everything happens along with with the mantra vedic mantra there the parents are supposed to remember the bhagwan remember bhagwan so that the conceived baby is well refined and cultured there are 40 samskaras that are given for a human being right from the birth until death the final cremation itself is a yaga yagna or yaga we can say where we often we offer our own body to the homakunda to the agni bhagwan so we associate everything to bhagwan and ishwara from conception to creation our life is bhagwan centered life from waking up to sleep our life is bhagwan centered life now why did our scriptures do that way why do our scriptures prescribe a ishvara centered life the reason is 
according to our scriptures our primary relationship is with bhagavan alone bhagavan ishwarai is our creator we are the created being bhagavan is the cause we are the effect just like we have this parent child where the parent is the cause the child is the effect kara karanam karyam bhagavan is the cause we are the effect not just for this janma for throughout in every janma in every srishti this is not our first birth we have had millions of janmas before we could have millions of janmas also in future so for every in every janma bhagwan is our creator we are the created being and we are related to this bhagwan and all our other relationship with whomever in this world they are only temporary the longest relationship that we can hope to have in with any individual it can last only for one life whether it's a relationship with our parents or mother probably parents mother is probably the maximum it can last one life because in the previous life we had some other parents who knows maybe buffalo lizard snake tree whatever we could have had some other parents in the next janma we will have some other parents that means what human or any other relationship for that matter is only temporary it's only incidental it's empirical it's only a relative it's only for a short period of time whereas the primary and fundamental relationship is with bhagwan and this the vedas keep reminding us it says do not forget the fundamental relationship and in our worldly interaction today we we are busy forming new relationships we are busy nourishing the relationships all that is all fine wonderful it's all okay good but it should never come at the cost of the fundamental relationship with bhagwan then the next question comes what happens when we lose sight of this fundamental relationship the answer is life becomes directionless our life will have varieties of problems it is like a rudderless boat it can become a directionless boat if we lose this relationship with bhagwan in fact scriptures say real prosperity in life is real prosperity in life is nothing but non forgetfulness of our fundamental relationship with bhagwan 
that is the real prosperity if the fundamental relationship is forgotten even if we become materially rich we can have a very prosperous life we can be f- surrounded with money but life will be full of problems even money wealth can create its own set of problems and that happens when the original sambandha the original relationship is forgotten we talk about how one should never forget his or her mother because she has given birth to us if then what to talk about ishwara who is responsible for the entire creation for our own creation so this world tragedies are worldly tragedies that we get in our life are not real tragedy the real tragedy is when somebody loses the sight of this fundamental relationship and preserving the relationship preserving the relationship between me and ishwara and nourishing this basic relationship how do i do it how can i do it it can be done only through a religious ishwara centered lifestyle because how can we actually generally nourish any relationship today we we talk about you know creating relationships even in the corporate world we talk about networking and creating relationships and others any relationship can be maintained only when we spend time with the other person we need to spend some time understand them find out what they like try to see if you can you know work according to them and it is the same with bhagavan also so to maintain any relationship we need to spend some time together unless we spend some quality time relationship cannot be preserved it cannot be nourished and how can we now then nourish this relationship with ishwara so vedas knew this principle that one needs to have this relationship every being needs to have this relationship with ishwara and therefore vedas prescribed that we need to have quality time exclusive time for bhagwan and we should have it in a regular manner so our religious culture prescribed various forms of religious practice our religious practices are much more than any religion in the world in many of the other religions it's a weekly business sunday friday hours is repetitive regular every day there is something or other in today sashti there is something then chaturthi there is anathe amavasa there is a pro there is one religious connotation there pournamasya there is something and then special months then special periods 
மாலயம் சர்டன் நக்ஷத்ராஸ் ஸோ எவ்ரி டே தெர் இஸ் சம்திங் ஆர் அதர் and when we practice this when we do these religious practices we are basically spending time with bhagwan we are giving some quality time to bhagwan of course this is apart from remembering bhagwan at every activity in our life even before writing you know um, we will normally some people put this pulayashuri in tamil we say pulayashuri or we say hari om we write at the top of the paper so everything is preceded by bhagwan every activity of ours is preceded by bhagwan remembering bhagwan and these rituals have been given so that we are in a position to spend some quality time with bhagwan and to actually practice this we should know both the theory as well as the principle behind every religious practice because any practice will become purposeful only when we understand the principle behind it so we should know what is the significance and then we should also be able to follow it because without the knowledge of the principle without that knowledge of the theory the practice becomes empty it becomes mechanical we we do and if the practice becomes mechanical we do it for some days and then it will drop off we will lose interest in those practices we will start questioning them and therefore many of those religious or ritual practices have actually in fact disappeared so the next question then comes what should we do what should we do to not drop these rituals of course the answer is the first is learning the theory part that theory that knowledge should precede any practice and it is true in in all forms of things right in in, in, in even in our other fields when we want to sing you want to practice music then there is a study of theory also there they will teach you what is arohanam avarohanam what is talam what is raga what is swaram what is jandavarsai all those things in carnatic music we have to learn what are the talams involved what are the ragams involved what is adi talam all those misra chapu all those things and it's the same even with driving if you want to learn driving then theory is first where is the gear box what is the gear for what is the accelerator where is the brake what is the brake for same thing with cooking same thing with asanas or whatever so in the vedic culture also they prescribed two exercises the first one is the thorough study of all the principles behind these religious practices and then the practice of them these principles have been clearly explained in our scriptures every 
every aspect of it has been explained in our scriptures everything as to why we have to do this what for we are doing this everything has been explained so for us to be able to practice something as a religious ritual then scriptural study becomes important it becomes a compulsory step it becomes a preliminary step it becomes a necessity and only if the scriptures are studied we will know the principles the philosophy the theory behind it behind the every practice that we do and this theory will have to be then followed by all the practice so study is also required practice is also required both of them are equally important first we will have to study so that we are able to practice them properly and therefore all our acharyas all our gurus have said that everyone to compulsorily study the scriptures to understand the theory the principle behind the religious life as i say swadhyayam it's called a swadhyayam in those days when the vedic tradition was still alive everybody went to gurukula whether it was a brahmana kshatriya vaishya or shudra everybody went to gurukula they of course each one studied their own skill for their livelihood so everybody followed their own skill that they follow at home for their studies but apart from that all of them uniformly studied the principles behind a religious life in the gurukula and vedic study was compulsory for all we have already seen what is this vedic study veda vedas our are our manual when anything is created there is a manual given at along with it so when ishvara created this world the vedas are the manual the do's and don'ts how to actually use your body how to use your mind how to use this world how to understand what can be done what can be expected what to be done what to be achieved everything has been given in the vedas so those study was incorporated in the gurukula system and therefore once a person comes out of the gurukula and the person gets married the person strikes many relationships but in and through all those relationships the person should not forget the fundamental relationship with ishvara and we had a lifestyle prescribed according to the age according to their age according to their there was also something on varna there was also prescribed based on ashrama so if you look at ashrama after the study after the studies the person comes out the person gets into grahastha ashram ashrama meaning a lifestyle and that grahastha ashrama is an ishvara centered lifestyle 
and what happens if the if the lifestyle is not ishvara centered then it will become a shrama shrama means we know shrama it means anxiety there will be fight there will be quarrel there will be tension if we don't bring bhagwan in our life then we will be bringing tension anxiety quarrel sorrow anger jealousy pride those things in our life things that can make our life become difficult so whether married life should be shrama or ashrama it will depend on whether it is ishvara centered or not now the next question in those days we had gurukula now how can we do the scriptural study in these days study of scriptures is an extremely difficult project the first and foremost reason is our scriptural literature is vast it's very vast we had spent some time in the introduction to vedanta itself in terms of what these are we had seen the vedas itself is got four and each of those vedas are huge so chatvari vedas we have then we have within these vedas we have multiple upanishads and the four vedas what are they rigveda yajurveda samaveda and adharvana veda and within that four vedas we had samhita portion brahmana portion aranyaka portion and upanishad portion and within that upanishads we had more than hundreds of upanishads but of course today it's about 11 or 12 is still kind of functional ishavasi upanishad kena upanishad katha upanishad prashna upanishad we have about 10 10 to 12 and then on top of these vedas we had this sutras we had dharma sutras grihya sutras shrauta sutras brahma sutra we have apastampa sutra bodhayana sutra each one belong written by a rishi based on the vedic vedas then we had smriti we had manusmriti parashara smriti yagnyavalkya smriti we had so much of literature there that needs to be studied and then to make it easy for us to understand some of these concepts we had puranas we have 18 puranas bhagavata purana linga purana garuda purana matsya purana all those things shiva purana then we have 18 upapuranas then we have itihasas ramayana and mahabharata mahabharata alone is about 1 lakh verses and then on top of all these things then there are these bhashyams bhashyams written by various gurus acharyas who had come in various point of life including adi shankaras so the scriptures are huge vast 
it's voluminous and then to understand some of these scriptures we will have to understand grammar we will have to understand those shadangas we should understand nirukta kalpa vyakarana all those things has to be understood there is chandas for the meter all those things so right now people do not have the time to study the scriptures because we are all busy right from the morning till the evening we rush to the office we have some our own work and sometimes we may have to connect at various time zones it is not possible for us to spend some time to study the scriptures and even if we study the scriptures it seems to be so vast we'll never be able to finish it in one lifetime there is a subhashtam which says ananda shastram bahuveditavyam ananda shastram bahuveditavyam alpascha kalo bahavascha vignah ananta shastram scriptures are many bahuveditavyam there are plenty of things to study alpascha kalo time is very limited and within this limited time the obstacles are too many bahavascha vignah whenever we want to study something there is something or other that comes in we are not able to spend some time even if we want to study say bhagavad gita for example we decide to actually attend a class every week three classes down the line or one class down four classes down the line there will be something some guests at home or something where we have to go out there will be always some problem whenever we want to do something good all this vignah will come all these obstacles will come to sit for one hour in the class we will have lot of disturbance within the house outside the house but if we have to watch a movie for 3 hours there will be no disturbance or if you want to watch a match cricket match tennis match we will ensure that there are no disturbances not even phone calls but that's the problem anything that good we want to do there will be always some obstacles so ananta shastram bahuveditavyam there are so much to study and we don't have enough time alpascha kalu so if we are not able to study the scriptures then we should at least study the essence of our scriptures what does it say just like as the swan we say you know takes the milk out of the milk and water together mixture in the same way we should be able to take the sara of our scriptures and shankaracharya in his introductory commentary to bhagavad gita says people are busy and extrovert and sankracharya says this 2000 more than 2000 years ago he says people are busy and extrovert their materialistic desires have increased he is complaining about this in bc and he says these desires have increased and therefore 
this Bhagavad Gita is essential because Bhagavan Krishna has taken the essence of all these Sastras. He has condensed them. He has given it in the form of Bhagavad Gita. This one textbook alone is enough for this lifetime. This one text alone is enough to comprehensively understand our scriptures, to understand our religious culture, to understand what is our Vedic culture, to understand how to lead a Bhagavan-centered life, to understand the principles behind every religious practice. This one scripture is enough. This one scripture is enough to understand the philosophy behind it. So that when we practice it, we are able to establish that relationship with Ishvara. That fundamental relationship is nourished. And therefore, we don't have this anxiety, fear, all these problems. So every Hindu, Acharya says, every Hindu, every person, every human being must compulsorily study Bhagavad Gita. At least the Bhagavad Gita. And that too not casually, you know. Not just verse by verse. One purport, okay, I've finished. It has to be done in a thorough manner. It has to be done in a systematic manner. Basically because there are concepts that would have to be explained in detail when we come to the shloka. The shloka itself will say something. But to understand that shloka, we will have to understand the concept behind it which will need some explanation. And this Bhagavad Gita, we should be able to go through, understand this in our lifetime at least once properly, thoroughly. Bhagavad Gita should be made compulsory. Whether one is a you know spiritual seeker or not, he need not be a one need not be a spiritual seeker. But just to understand our culture, to understand our heritage, to understand our the place from where we were born, to understand our tradition, to understand our roots. Bhagavad Gita study is compulsory. If we are, if we become a spiritual seeker, if we are a spiritual seeker, then all the more Bhagavad Gita is becomes relevant. And then once we are done with Bhagavad Gita, we can go into Upanishads. And if we don't study Bhagavad Gita, our religious practices will become mechanical and sooner or later we will drop them. Everything will look empty. Either we will have guilt because we have dropped certain things or we don't see a value in it and therefore we will drop them. Today, a lot of those things have been dropped off. Aupasana was a, was a it was a compulsory fire ritual that 
that every grahastha should follow we don't do it panchamaha yagnas have to be followed by everyone we don't do that still some people are holding on to gayatri mantra and that is the only thing that is still probably not fully disappeared yet and what happens if these things get dropped off when these get things get dropped off it gets filled up when religious culture goes down materialistic culture takes over when dharma goes down adharma takes over it's never a neutral it doesn't go into the neutral state it goes from this end to that end and in materialistic culture we will have everything but the heart will be empty the mind will be always heavy in religious culture materially we might be empty but the heart will be full materialistic culture we may have palatial house we may have all the cars the we would have seen so many places in the world we could have had the most modern gadgets the latest technology but still in heart of hearts there will be always heaviness a spiritual life alone gives us the fullness in those days our ancestors they had very little comforts in today what is considered to be necessities in those days were extreme comforts today a fan forget fan even air conditioner seems to be a necessity in some much in those days people did not have electricity still they were able to live still they were happy what has been taken as granted as need in those in these days were luxuries in those days still people were happy a spiritual life will give us the fullness and today we don't have gurukulas we don't have gurukulas to understand the scriptures but at least there are various institutions that have come up who have taken upon themselves to spread our culture whether it is arshavidya gurukulam chinmaya mission or swami omkarananda chitbhavananda ashram there are many of those things that have come up so that there is an opportunity for each one of us for everyone to study the bhagavad gita systematically verse by verse thoroughly deeply and remember it is not just studying studying alone is not enough what we have studied it has to be internalized it has to be assimilated so that it reflects in our day to day life gita is not just mere studying like a physics or a chemistry many of the school subjects that we studied it is for studying and being able to write in the exam it was nothing for internalization nothing for assimilation 
nothing that needs to be reflected in our day to day life whereas geeta is not for studying it is meant for living and they say you know acharyat padam adate padam shishyam swameva swamevadhe swamevadhe padam cha brahmacharibhya padam kalakramena cha so there are four parts when we study the first part first quarter is we gather that knowledge the first there are four parts of knowledge the first quarter of knowledge we get when we study acharyat padam adate so when when guru teaches us we get the one fourth the next fourth we gather we have to gather by going back and revising so padam shishya swayam daya daya swamedaya swamedaya means one he has to do it on his own then the next quarter is when you discuss with others padam cha brahmacharibhya when we discuss with others like minded people satsangs when we go there we and we get the third quarter and then padam kalakramena cha the last quarter we will only gather by alert living we have to watch constantly ask ourselves we have to constantly reflect where we are how we are doing is my life in line with the teachings of geeta that only we should be able to do only we can do whatever we learn in this geeta couple of things it is not going to change the world it is not about changing the situation around me this geeta is not about evaluating and you know um, making others change their behavior towards me this geeta is for self and another thing just by coming to geeta class one is not going to get some sudden fame richness rich wealth or some some jobs that are issues in jobs getting overcome nothing of that sort is being promised but what we can definitely see is when we systematically and consistently study and try to assimilate the concepts of geeta we would see a general calmness in our mind we will be able to see that we get more contented we will see that we are more calm we are more we are able to exp- express compassion we are we are much more liked by people generally speaking because we will be able to reflect those good qualities and by reflecting that we will be able to see that our problems around us do not seem to be as bad as what they were some time back so regular study of geeta although 
Bhagavan also promises that a regular study of Gita will give you spiritual growth as well as material progress. Regular study and implementation. Because the concept of Karma Yoga is about when we do Karma Yoga, we, we will be able to progress both spiritually as well as materially. We will see that the material progress is a byproduct. It is not the main project, product. The main aim for studying Gita is for spiritual progress. And that we will be able to, once we are able to be, once we are in this path, consistently over a few years, we will be able to see our difference. This is what I wanted to actually discuss about the greatness of Gita and why we should study Gita. Next class we will go through some of the introduction, some basic human problems, basic human goals and where does this Vedanta or Gita fit in. And then afterwards we will start the Gita lessons or we will go into the chapters of Gita. If there are any questions or comments, you can feel free to unmute and share. Anyone? Am I audible? Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Very much audible. Okay. So if there is nothing, then we'll meet again in the next class. Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Swasti Prajabhya Paripalayantam Nyayena Margena Mahim Mahishaha Go Brahmane Bioshubamastunityam Loka Samasta Supino Bhavantu Hari Yom Sri Gurupyo Namah